JW Player closed a $100 million financing round this week. We talked with the company's co-founder and CEO, Dave Otten, for the inside scoop on the deal and how he plans to use the money. Let's get started. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon from End Screen Media at the top. Hey, Colin, how's everything? Everything's going great, Will. I've torn myself away from the Euro Cup to uh, to record our podcast today, and <laughs> uh, we've got a we've got a really good one today, right? Well, we have our interview with Dave Otten, CEO and founder of jw player which is really cool of course they just raised the 100 million that they announced so um we're going to get into that with dave in just a moment but as always we wanted to just quickly share a couple of news items that caught our radar this week and i am going to get us started with um noting that the deal that steven spielberg announced with netflix this week um spielberg was uh, sort of famously a bit of a Netflix and streaming skeptic. Um, I wouldn't say he was opposed militantly, but he still had made some comments in the past that were, you know, a little bit murky. They were later clarified, but, um, you know, kind of indicating that he was really in favor of the big screen for movies. And this week, uh, his production company, Amblin Partners, announced that they are uh, going to start making a couple of movies, at least a couple of movies per year for Netflix. No terms announced, of course, that's a given. But obviously, when it comes to Spielberg, he has free reign. He'll no doubt have free reign to do whatever it is that moves him. And um, Netflix, no doubt, is thrilled to add him to their roster of A-list talent. I'm sure they are. Well, of course, he's no stranger for working for streamers. He's also done stuff for Apple TV+. Plus. Yep. Uh, and uh, he, I think he did fantastic stories, which were pretty good, good, good entertainment. But uh, as you say, uh, maybe he's changing his, his view on streaming. Perhaps. Anyway, what's next? Well, next is the long drought for Fire TV users is over. They can now officially get Peacock from the Amazon App Store and load it on their device. Uh, so that was announced today. And I, I got to tell you, this is, I think it's a little bit anticlimactic, although I think it is very good, uh, very good timing, Will. Peacock has amassed 42 million signups without the help of Fire TV, which I think is pretty spectacular. So they proved that they can be successful without Fire TV. So I've no doubt that that was that featured very highly in the negotiations. Um, but it is good timing. And I say that because we are just about to head into the Olympics next month. And I don't know if you remember, um, uh, originally Peacock planned to launch nationally in July of last year, just before the Olympics was, were due to start. That was supposed to be the big jump start for subscribers for Peacock. Well, we had to wait a year, but they are going to get that jump start. And so now they're pretty much available on everything. And uh, and Amazon uh, Fire TV is pretty important. It's basically neck and neck with Roku in the streaming sticks and box market for market share. So uh, pretty good timing, I think. Absolutely. Fire TV 
owners will be very happy to have Peacock, I'm sure, get the office, get the Olympics. I'm I'm sure they will, but I think it's probably time for us to get to our interview. And today, as Colin mentioned, we are delighted to have Dave Otten, who is the CEO and founder of JW Player with us, who we're going to interview. And uh, so welcome, welcome, Dave. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Great to have you. And first and foremost, congratulations on the new $100 million uh, round of financing that you've just announced here. And, um, you know, would love to maybe just get a quick overview. JW has obviously been around for a long, long while. I'm sure all of our listeners are somewhat familiar, but maybe you could just give a quick update on JW Player and just maybe discuss a little bit about the financing, you know, what the use of funds are and, you know, any thoughts on the transaction as a whole. There's obviously been a lot of talk about SPACs and IPOs and the Vimeo spinoff, et cetera. So, you know, kind of interested in all of that, if you would just get us started. Yeah, absolutely. So just a quick update on the business. And um, we obviously today have some outstanding news to share. But a a quick update on the business. We started, as you mentioned, we're an old school name in digital video. We started many years ago, over a decade ago, as an open source video player uh, that hopefully many of your listeners and others out there have have used. And and the business today is, is actually very, very different than what it was, you know, a decade plus ago. Um, the video player is still very central to what we do as an organization, but that the product stack that JW offers is is much more robust. Um, the, our focus is on driving a is, is 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 as a platform business to drive control and independence for our customers. And so, as part of our evolution as a business, going from an open source video player to any developer of any type, now we really focus on empowering. Uh, media businesses, which include publishers and broadcasters, um, and emerging verticals and video, you know, fitness organizations, e-learning organizations, e-commerce companies, and really being that platform that delivers video uh, at scale, uh, live and on VOD, and and doing it in a way that we hope you know our customers see real you know economic impact as a result of using JW's products. And so um, the company is, has grown quite a bit and. As part of, it, of our announcement today around our financing, you know, we've chosen to to raise $100 million of equity capital, as you mentioned. Um, it's, it's really an interesting decision for us because our business is profitable and has been for a bit of time. And so we, we really saw this as an opportunity, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to discuss the market at large in a little bit, but we saw this as an opportunity given sort of the dynamics we were seeing in the market, um, this sort of this... Uh, golden age of video that we think a lot about combined with JW players scale and and breadth of product offering. We really feel like this is a a chance for us to be aggressive, um, to, to look to the market, to grow faster, to expand internationally, to accelerate our product roadmap. And so we're just very excited and and couldn't be more delighted uh, than to partner with LLR, who's a private equity firm based in, in, in Philadelphia, who joined us as part of this round. So, so very excited about that. Um, to answer the last part of your question, which is, you know, how we thought about a financing versus other routes that you see in the marketplace. Um, like, I think every business in, in, in our industry who has some reasonable scale like JW does from a financial point of view, um, we looked at the SPAC market. Um, our, our thought there, and, and the market changed quite a bit in 2020 and even into 2021, 
But as we looked at the market, there were a couple things that we thought did not make sense for us. Um, you know, facts really, um, you know, the analysis that we did show that, you know, the best performing SPACs after sort of they go public are those with like multiple hundred million dollars of revenue. You know, we have a lot of revenue, but not quite at that scale. And so we felt like our ability to perform in the aftermarket, you know, could be compromised somewhat. There's two just around just general preparation. I mean, you know, you go you 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 go down the SPAC route, you're becoming a public company, there's IPO readiness. Um, and from my point of view, I, I want to continue to sort of, uh, you know, use the benefits of being a private company to grow, mature and drive um, sort of our strategy under sort of without the microscope, microscope of a public company right now. Um, certainly in the offing, you know, those options will be will be there to, for consideration. But that's how we kind of weighed that uh, against sort of uh, the immediate opportunity of, of taking capital from LLR and just going after um, what we think is going to be some pretty exciting times for digital media. So, so talk to us a little bit about how JW Player differentiates itself. I mean, it's a very, very crowded market, lots of overlapping companies providing infrastructure for video yeah. streaming. How, do you, how are you yeah. going about differentiating JW Player? Yeah, I mean, from our, there are three ways we really see ourselves doing that. So uh, one is, just pure, and this goes to our roots as an open source video player. Then when we began to build the video platform stack around the player, um, we always focused on just like simplicity, ease of use, robust APIs, let the customer um, um, do, uh, sort of use our technology in the workflows that they wanted. And so we that's really been a hallmark and a credit to my co-founding partner, Jerome Weisring, who's the JW of JW Player, of really having that philosophy. And to this day, we win business. We just won a massive contract in India based off that alone. Just their ease, their easy, their ease of um, of deployment, the time to get live took them less than a uh, little over a week off of massive scale. So that's an example of one way we differentiate. The second is around um, really focus on like that, what we call the monetized layer of the video tech stack, which is, like enabling our customers, if they use JW Player, and they like selling revenue to them is a, a core part of our proposition. So we are a SaaS business. We enable our customers who are AVOD or advertising based, we enable them to uh, be very effective with uh, at, with uh, advertising and we, we connect the ecosystem we think in unique ways, which I'll talk about in a second. And so, and so we think all about enabling that monetized layer, proving out when a customer does a, a, an A-B test of JW when we're selling a new customer, we always try to sell, do you make more money with JW or your incumbent offering? Or if you're new to video, we, we sort of work with our customer to develop really strong KBIs. But it's like how we enable the advertising ecosystem and we think there's more work to do in that monetization layer, I, it really helps us differentiate. And what underpins that, and is the third thing, is our data. Uh, one of the things that JW Player, are, one of the, I, I, I would call it an unfair advantage that we have, because we are the video player that's on so many of these pages. And if you look back to our roots as an open source video player, in the early days we got massive distribution, uh, just because people we were out there and people were using us. And that footprint um, ultimately ended up being the Trojan horse by which we could collect an enormous amount of insights around how video is being consumed. 
And then when you combine that with the fact that we're a video platform, so we understand what the content is, and we contextualize and classify every piece of content that comes through JW Player, which is many millions of new assets every month. You have a point of view, we have a point of view from a data side that says across 600,000 plus sites that use JW Player, we're able to see how nearly a billion people consume video across 3 billion devices. And so we can see things like if it, what video a user watched on one of our customers, say Business Insider, how much of that video did they watch? Was an ad delivered? Did they watch that ad? Is it viewable? And we see all that in real time because the video player gives us those signals. That approach to using data as a differentiator to drive more effective monetization for our customers really wins the market for us. And the scale that we have, given the time that we've been in the market, um, is a, it's a really hard moat, I think, for people to overcome. And that's how we go to market. So long answer to your question, but that's how we, we think about differentiation. And Dave, you partially answered this question, but um, obviously focusing on the monetization layer and on advertising specifically is so timely. There's so much discussion these days of AVOD and how free ad supported uh, streaming services are starting to gain more and more share. They're investing more heavily. Um, we had our Connected TV ad summit a couple of weeks ago and eMarketer presented and they see um, CTV advertising in the US alone going from about 13 and a half billion in 2021 to over 27 and a half billion by 2025, 2025, easy to say. So, you know, huge growth expected. And, you know, so you guys seems like you're right in the middle of this. I I wonder if you could just drill down just a little bit further when you talk about enabling the monetization layer. And, and you, you know, you mentioned AB tests and JW coming out favorably. Can you give us some tangible example or sense of like, what do those A-B tests show that are favorable toward JW? What are the the clients seeing? Yeah, we've done this for many years now across hundreds of customers, but I'll tell you the most exciting thing that we see now and how we're using it to to drive value for customers. So um, because we collect so much consumption data and then we know what the content is, um, we, that's giving us, we believe, a real advantage in the in given what the broader trends that are happening in advertising. So you see um, endless numbers of accounts of the, cook, the third-party cookies going away on browsers. That's uh, that's happening very soon. You also see a lot of the demand side advertisers thinking about you know how do I target and contextual targeting is becoming a really big uh, sort of a really big part once again. So almost like back to the future from the early days of the internet work, where contextual is, is massively important. And we're, we're big believers that more and more dollars and campaigns are going to go to contextual targeting in video than, uh, and, and moving forward. And so what we're able to do, and this is what I think is a pretty cool part of our, of our data strategy and why I think it is a moat, is that uh, one, we know what the content is because they've ingested into JW Player. Uh, we every asset that comes in, we're, we're creating, um, we're creating transcripts from the audio. We're doing some OCR work, but the whole goal is to create a taxonomy of what the content is about with some, some specificity. That's the real goal there. And, and we do that at some real scale. So that's one aspect that matters to the demand side. The other side is uh, from the consumption point of view for advertisers, what really matters to folks are things like in real time viewability, right? completion rate on the ads. 
And again, because we're uniquely the player, we understand what's happening within the player. We could actually, we have, we have real-time knowledge uh, of the consumption behavior. So you combine what content is being viewed contextually, combine it with the, con- with the consumption behavior. What we're able to do um, as a way to differentiate on behalf of our customers, the media businesses, is we're able to pass in a programmatic and real-time way to demand sources, DSPs, agencies, who are looking to like have transparency around what an actual video piece of video content is and if we can actually help uncover that and are uncovering that today. So we have a team that we call Boost internally, and they're really focused on this mission, which is to use our data to inform the buy side. But the end goal ultimately is to help our end customers, the publishers, to help them be able to, to get more access to more unique ad inventory so they make more money, et cetera. And so when we do an A-B test, we just did one recently for a large media business in the UK. We're using their data for contextual car- targeting, for viewability targeting. We go to an advertiser who has specific metrics around what the content is and viewability um, uh, requirements and completion requirements. And we're able to hit that bid because we know in real time what's happening. And so um, in this, with this media business in the UK, a publisher business, we're able to deliver a significant amount of unique demand from the advertiser campaigns that we were running, and uh, it helps them one get more get more in, uh, get more ad uh, demand that they can run against their supply. Um, it helps the advertiser side of the ecosystem because they're getting the transparency, and JW kind of wins in the middle because if our customers are successful, the publishers, then we're going to get someone's going to stay with. They're going to be a happy customer. They're going to retain. They're going to upsell. They're going to buy more products for us. And so it's, it, that's, a, that's one example of many that we've done. And again, we think we're pretty uniquely positioned given those attributes around consumption and contextual that we see. Very good. Boy, we could, we could spend a lot of time talking about that topic. But, uh, <laughs> let, let's, let's move on a little bit. T- tell us about Vuelto. You, that was a recent acquisition. Sure. How does that fit into the JW picture? Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you kind of think through JW as a platform that gives independence and control to our customers in this golden age of video that we call the digital video economy internally. So if you think about that's what we're trying to do. Um, you know, I talked about the monetization layer a second ago, but what sits below that layer is your core video infrastructure, right? And so we believe it's really important to have an API uh, driven um, uh, infrastructure offering that meets the requirements of today's customers. And so, um, as it relates specifically to live, uh, which is what Vualta does, and content and, and uh, DRM support, which is what Vualta does, we felt we had known them as, as a business. They've been around for some some years. They build just high quality products. Their founders, Camille Young and James Burt, um, have built a tremendous team. So what they the really the 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 obvious match between our two businesses was uh, we had partnered for DRM. We had partnered for live. Uh, we felt that part of the infrastructure stack was really important for us to own, given the broad trends around live streaming that we all read about. And so um, and Vualta very nicely fit into that uh, that offering. It helps deepen what we do with broadcasters specifically. And then we have plans to expand that offering to a broader set of our customers as times go on. So uh, really excited. Um, we're very lucky to, to have the partnership with the Vualta team. 
When you think about Vue Alto, Dave, is it, are you thinking that live is going to become a bigger component yeah. of the overall streaming market? And can you say more about what you know content yeah. types specifically? Live is obviously mapped very much to sports, but do you see a bigger picture than that too? Yeah, we see. I mean, live. I mean, last year alone, we had a pretty big base. We saw live grow, gosh, 400 percent plus or so. It's a big number off of off of a decent base. We're, we're really bullish on the live um, use case uh, where we saw it in 2020. And this is not going to be any different from other stories uh, that you've heard in the video side. We certainly saw it on the events side of things, so corporate events like conferences. So Zoom and Zoomtopia, they use JW Player to live stream Zoomtopia. Um, we also see it in other new emerging verticals. Uh, fitness, you know, so live fitness classes, e-learning is a big category that we see no signs of slowing down. And then as sports came back online, you know, live streaming became really important for fans, right? So, you know, we have customers like Chelsea and and there are sort of second and third tier football clubs in, in the UK that um, use live, uh, our live solution to sell tickets to fans watching, not in the stadium, but watching online. And and they did very well economically there. So, and so that's something that we we're make, we're, we've made a big bet on. We're going to continue to make a big bet on. Um, what's interesting there, Will, is the the model, the the, the business models those companies are employing. So, um, certainly dynamic ad insertions, advertising will be a part of that. But we see a, a ton of subscription-based businesses uh, um, participating in that environment as well. So subscription models, and so it'll be interesting to see how uh, the various companies, you know, uh, go down one or the other, or, or what we think there'll be a, a lot of hybrids out there, depending on the content type, et cetera. So, so you're sort of starting to think ahead. Why don't you tell us what you think is going to happen in the market in the next? Well. Five years is maybe a bit optimistic, maybe the next couple of years, and then map JW players' role in that. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot about, I'll say, the, the monetized layer, because that's where you drive real value for your customers. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's a couple of things that are going to be really important to being successful there. Um, one is uh, to drive a real like total economic impact story. I think data and what you do with data to differentiate is going to going to make or break a company. And so um, I think a lot of um, those companies that have access to data, uh, both on the consumption and the contextual side, but also across platforms are going to have a real advantage. I think, you know, it remains to be seen how first party data, um, which is going to be very valuable, how, you know, how companies use that to their advantage. So they know who the user is with, with the proper consent. Um, so that's one area that I think is, is, is really, really interesting to help inform um, uh, uh, the monetization layer. So we'll be thinking a lot about that. Um, I, the broader trends that you mentioned, Will, around e-marketer and connected. I mean, that's I'm saying the most obvious thing in the book, but it's worth noting because uh, it's happening. And and so on the connected side, um, we see no shortage of consumption. So we about gosh a massive part of our streaming, right? The video delivery into those environments is south of 50% a bit south, but it was like, it's it, we're roughly around probably 30% of our streaming goes to those environments today, but it's growing like this. And so what I think is really important there, um, taking the lessons from what we learned in the web and mobile worlds is um, how can you understand the content? How can you understand the data side of it? 
and how can you make sure that you can actually deliver and sell that monet that uh, that economic impact um, story to those customers in the in, on those platforms? I think it's going to be a really really big key there, um, and then privacy will be a driver as well. So, at a high level, we leave data is like the, the most the next phase of innovation, and it's really focused on how you drive uh, ad monetization. We think there's opportunities in subscription monetization, how you convert users and retain users. Um, and that's where I think the market is going to drive towards. And I think uh, uh, I think the dollars that are going to be following that are going to be pretty significant and already are for that matter. Cool. And, you know, certainly a lot of uh, those themes that you just mentioned related to connected TV were points yeah. that came up on in our connected TV summit yeah. a couple weeks ago, as I said. But um, there were also some challenges raised. And I'd love to just ask you a little bit yeah. more your take on what they are. I mean, we heard about things like uh, over frequency of ads, um, you know, duplication, challenges still with the user experience, platform fragmentation and walled gardens. Uh, um, you know, a few other things as well. And, and I guess the fraud certainly was one thing that came up. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, without spending a lot of time on each one, I guess I'd just be curious to get your reaction to what you think of those challenges and where JW is playing and trying to solve them. Yeah, certainly we're trying to, to solve the fraud problem, the transparency around data. That's that's one that I think is is really, really important. Um, what's, what's actually funny, and it, it sounds maybe a little bit silly to say, but um, the connected world is still very like early days and basic. And that's, and that's, I think maybe this, that's the surprising thing I learned about JW player way back in, in 08. People used to tell us video players are done and that that's not the case. I think this, I, and this, so it was very fundamental, basic um, sort of uh, execution tactics that still need to be solved. And like, as an example, just getting an app built and delivered and creating the experience that you want into the various platforms that you want to deliver it in, that is not that is like not scaled out at all. There's there's a lot of friction in the development process. There's a lot of customization there. And so I think there's there's work to be done to be able to solve those very basic challenges. The same is true on the advertising side, right? Where like uh, what we hear talking to customers is like how do I get more like more more advertising into my content? Which is weird because you hear advertisers say all day long, I want CTV content, but yet are the advertise the publishers themselves, the content creators are struggling to get the advertisements. And so there's this like like how we actually build the pipes and do the enablement and to simplify, those are really big things that I think have to happen and they certainly will happen. They happen in mobile, they happen in web. But those are really big challenges that are just out there today for customers. Um, things like discovery—that's the other thing that we that, that customers have problems with. So how do how do people find my content if I'm in like a Roku channel, etc.? So that requires a lot of metadata creation. That creates and how do you do that efficiently across a number of episodes? Um, so discovery. And so for people to really build out the business, the long-term business model of a, 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 a sustainable uh, repeating audience. That's, I mean, it's just those basic building blocks, like just getting an app deployed across a platform. How do I get people to find it? And then how do I, it's, that's where I think the next three years, and I know maybe people might be shaking their heads on this, but if you do that well, you win. Like, I think, I think that's, that's, I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we're, we're almost out of time here, Dave. So I got to ask you, you yeah. founded JW 
player yeah. when streaming yeah. was in its infancy. What was it way back yeah. in 2020, 2007, something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us, tell us one of the biggest surprises to you about the development of the industry over the, the last 14 years. You know, it's funny, like I, I kind of answered the last question, but what I find surprising is how long it took to get to where we are. Um, You know, we've been talking as an industry about connected TVs and OTT for a decade, literally. And only now is it really starting to hit its stride. Um, The same is true in the web and mobile world where um, advertising as a monetization mechanism for video we thought that was going to happen in 2008. It didn't really start happening until 2012 or 13 in any kind of business form. And so one of the biggest surprises is like how long the adoption cycle has taken. But the other thing that goes along with that is when it hits, it happens fast. Right. And so um, I, I mean, and, the, and again, the great example again is what's happened in the connected world. That's one thing that's really surprised me. Um, I've also been really surprised um, uh, about you know, sort of like as it relates to JW Player, I'm really surprised about the longevity of the video player, how we've been able to evolve that over time. Um, the value of the player still exists today. It's meaningful. People, customers care about how it performs. Um, so that as a very JW specific thing, I'm still amazed by the longevity of that price. One of the greatest products, I'm biased here. I think it's one of the greatest <laughs> ever built digital videos, JW Player. It should go down in the, and the history of whatever flash and whatever else, when the book is written fast and V paid and, and JW player maybe should be in there as well. It's, it's an amazing product. So at a, at a, at a, at a micro level, that's, that always amazes me. Yeah. All right. The online, the online video hall of fame to be built someday. <laughs> well, Jake Theron deserves to be in there certainly. Right. If there is, if there is such a thing and then like, there'll be like three visitors, it'll be us three. So that will be it. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Dave, this has really been fantastic and we could go on for a lot longer, but um, we've really enjoyed having you. And again, many congratulations on the $100 million financing. That's obviously a huge milestone in JW's history. And congrats again on all the success that you've had. Thank you. It's a a real pleasure to catch up again, Will. And and for us, we're really excited about what the next uh, 10 years are going to, what the next 10 years hold for us. So, uh, I look forward to staying in touch and uh, yeah, reach out anytime. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And that's all we have time for on this week's Inside the Stream podcast. Again, thanks to Dave Otten for joining us and Colin, great conversation. And thanks everyone for listening in. We'll see you again next week.